strong prayer lives. And for those of you who do, uh, you, you, you seek Him, and, and even in the middle of the hardships of life, you're living a victorious life. And I just want to encourage you, and I want to thank you, and just know that we need you to continue to encourage the rest of us. We need for you to disciple the rest of us, uh, to press us further into prayer, press us further into the gospel, press us further into uh, the victory that's found in Jesus Christ. Uh, some of you that are in here, maybe uh, listening to this, you're not even a believer, you're not a Christian, you know it. Uh, we've had friends that over the years um, that have come, and they've been a part of kind of the, the church that is called Sojourn, uh, and uh, no, you're not a member because you're not a Christian, but you're journeying with us. And, but yet you know that you're not a Christian, but there's something. There's just something about the people. There's something about the Jesus that we talk about. There's something about the worship. There's just something, maybe it's intangible, and you're just drawn back, and you're drawn deeper into checking things out in this, into the Bible, or you're gathering with some of these Christians, or coming, coming and, and getting preached at. Uh, on Sunday, that for some reason you don't balk and you still keep coming. Um, but there's some of you that you are a practical agnostic. You're a practical agnostic. And, and here's what I want to do. is I want to take a moment. I want to contrast atheism versus agnosticism. Let me tell you, tell you what we're talking about here. According to Merriam-Webster, atheism is a disbelief in the existence of deity or the doctrine that there is no deity. Now let's contrast that to agnosticism and we'll, we'll go further and how, see how this relates to the Lord's Prayer. Um, agnosticism, check this out. It's a person who holds the view that any ultimate reality as God is unknown and probably unknowable. Okay, let me read that to you one more time. Agnosticism, a person who holds the view that any ultimate reality as God is unknown and probably unknowable. Okay, So the atheist is convinced that there's no God. They stand firmly in that position and they'll fight for it. They'll debate with you that there is no God. The agnostic, though, the agnostic is the one who just is not sure and really doesn't know how anybody could wrap their, wrap their mind around it and to be secure one way or the other, either as an atheist or as a theist, one who doesn't believe in God or one that does believe in God. Now here's the deal. Some of you are in a season or have been in seasons in your life that you're living in a practical agnosticism because you don't pray. You don't approach the king of the universe. You don't evoke, you don't you don't go and, and seek out the Creator of all that there is who's made Himself available to you. And maybe it's because you don't think God cares, or maybe it's because you don't think that God listens to you. But you don't approach Him. And, and for those of you who fall in this category, it's not all the time like that. You have seasons in which you felt the closeness of God, and it's been just such a, a fruitful time in your spiritual walk. But you know that there's been seasons, and you may be, even be there right now, where you don't seek God, and you're just like, I, I don't know why. You, you can't even put your finger on it. Why? You ask yourself, why, do I, why don't I pray more? Why don't I seek God more? 
You know, the, the verse that we challenged each other to, to memorize during this is James 4.8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. In fact, it's here that's our last time. Let's, let's, uh, let's say that again. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. The whole thing. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Okay, practical agnosticism in a Christian's life is when you don't draw near to God. Because something is hindering you. Something is, is keeping you from believing that and, and trusting, which we talked, we talked last week. And, and maybe it is that you don't, you don't pray until there's a crash or there's a crisis. I want you to analyze and think about it. Is that you? Is that you right now? That's like, man, yeah, you pray, but it's not until things get really bleak. You're practical agnostic. Um, we follow, we follow what we respect the most, and we respect what we're most convinced about. There's a term that the Bible uses for this type of a respect of the most, and that word is fear. And, and it's not a fear like like we think of of just the fear of harm, but it encompasses encompasses something far greater than that. It is a fear of something of something that yes this. This thing that I fear could harm me if it's so desired. But it's a massive reverence and respect that you have. And so, so it's a holistic thing that's called thing called fear. And I want to take us, before we even get to uh, Matthew chapter 6 and the final part of the Lord's Prayer, I want to take you to, to Psalm chapter 34. And think about this in, in the context of practical atheism. Psalm 34 says, uh, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times... His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Now, now later on, later on, it'd be good for you to go back and reflect on Psalm 34 after we finish the entire message on the kingdom, the power, and the glory of God. It'll make even more sense to you after that. Verse 1 in there Blessing the Lord at all times. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a prayer that's being said to God. This, this, this psalm is one in which it was a song sung to God. And it's sung to God as being both, this is a command, but it's also a heart's cry. And so we, we realize that, that I don't bless God at all times. I don't thank Him at all times. His praise is not continually in my mouth. But I recognize that it's a command that that's the kind of man that I need to become. And so I'm, I'm asking God, I'm saying, God, this is who I need to be. Would you renew my mind? Would you change my heart to where your praise is continually on my mouth and that I bless you at all times so that my soul makes its boast not in me, not in my surroundings, not in my circumstances, not in my relationships, but my boast is found in the Lord. Okay? When we get to the things of the kingdom of God, it's the kingdom is His, the power is His, the glory is His. We boast in the Lord. And then it says in verse 3, oh, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He answered me and He delivered me from all my fears. Okay, What are our fears? Our fears are what happens either internally or externally that, that causes us great distress. And, and ultimately, 
What we fear is what we're respecting most at that time, at that moment. Okay? There's nothing wrong when fear comes or when doubt comes, but what we do when it comes reveals our view of sovereignty, our view of what is king or who is king. And, and normally, what we, can, what we fear and what we continue to fear or where we walk in fear, we're saying that that is the ultimate in my life, at least right now. Now, when fear comes and it's not about God, when it comes from our circumstances, when it comes from our relationships, when it comes to things that are happening around us, when we have these fears, but we say, but God is greater than this fear, then the circumstances are still there or the relational struggle is still there, but our peace is not found or our lack of peace is not found in that circumstance, but our peace is found in what's greater and bigger than that. Okay, You follow me? Those who look to Him are radiant. and Their faces shall never be ashamed. We've been talking about how we are not the light of the world. If, if, if talking about Christians here. Christians are not the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. But Jesus lives within us, Christians, through the Holy Spirit. And our job is just to be the lampstand. Our job is to be the glass that's around the flame or around the bowl. And our job is not to be dark to where we cover the light, but it's to be absolutely transparent. Isn't this beautiful? Those who look to Him are radiant. Why are we radiant? Are we radiant because we shine? No, we're radiant because we're transparent. And all the glory and the beauty of Jesus Christ shines out of us talk about evangelism. You talk about how in the world can we reach our friends or our family, those who don't even believe in Jesus, or maybe they, they, they respect religion, but they don't believe Jesus is deity or God. How are we, how are we to, to reach them? How are we to, to strategize to where we convince them? Don't worry about convincing them. Look to Him, and He will make you radiant. If, if you look to God as your king and as been high, being higher than any fear and any circumstance, any relation, relational toil, if we look to Him, we become radiant and the people look at us and they say, wow, what in the world is, is going on with that person? Do you know when you're most radiant? It's not when you get the raise. It's, you're not most radiant when... When, uh, when you win the lottery, you're not most radiant on that wedding day even though you're absolutely radiant in those times. We are. But being most radiant to a lost world, a world that denies Jesus or doesn't look to Jesus as hope, being most radiant to them is when you're at the, at the pit. When you're experiencing the human condition just like them. But instead of your eyes looking upon yourself, instead of your eyes looking upon the circumstance of the relationship struggle, your eyes are focused upon Him and He makes you radiant. There's joy that leaks out. There's hope that flashes and blinds the people that are in front of you. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those 
who fear Him and delivers them. Guys, this world is, is it's tough. Some of y'all, you're on a mountaintop right now. I mean, you're, you're at a place of just, I mean, every, I mean, things, the, the, the stars have, and the planets have aligned, and man, I mean, just everything is shining upon you right now, and things are going great. But, but don't think that that's, that, that's, that that's what the favor of God is only. Don't think of the favor of God as, as only when things are going well. Think of the favor of God as that He is ever-present with you even when things are horrible. And know that, man, the God, He encamps around, around us. He's around us. And he delivers us. You know, that you, you've seen uh, probably in old, old westerns to where when, uh, when the Indians would come, and I don't even know if it's politically correct to talk about cowboys and Indians anymore, but I'm going to anyway. And when the Indians would come, they would do what? What would they do with the wagons? Circle the wagons. They'd put the children and the women in, in the middle. They, they, they would guard them. They would shield them. And the men would be on the outside encamped around, around them to fight off the Indians. And, and ho- hopefully that they would fight off the Indians and they would, they would be okay and, and they'd scatter and they'd be able to go, go their own way and... and uh, Seek peace out. We talked about these last couple of weeks. We are absolutely in a battle. But what's amazing is, is that though we do, we, we circle the wagons with one another. And we talk, we've been talking about community and, and how we're not supposed to battle alone. We're not supposed to, to worship alone. And we, are, we, we do battle alone. We, are, we do worship alone. But it's not supposed to be only alone. We're to do that in community. We're, to, we're supposed to have one another's back. But you know what's far greater than, than us getting together and circling the wagons and just saying, man, we'll, we'll stand and fight together? It's knowing that beyond that circle, that God Himself, He's the one that's circled around us. He encamps around us. But then you say, but well, Dave, if you, if you only knew, if you only knew how rough my last year was, you know, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think... God must have had some pretty big holes to let the enemy in. Well, again, it's because we, we view it as God's favor is only when things are going well, when violation doesn't happen, you know, when, when, things, when everything's at peace, when things are going my way, that that's the favor of God, and that's not the favor of God. Certainly, when good things happen, when you have times of peace or prosperity and times, seasons of health, man, Give God the glory and the honor and the praise. But the favor of God is God Himself. God is the Gospel. God is the good news. It's not what He, it's not what he brings, and it's great whatever He brings. And man, when it's, when it's times are refreshing and, and things are going well for you, man, thank Him and give Him all the glory and the credit for Him. But that's not the good news. The good news is you're not left alone in the middle of this broken fallen world. God says, I encamp around you. Around those who fear. You know what's interesting is right after it says that we're to fear Him, which again in our context here in, in Western civilization, we just have this n- only a negative connotation of it. But, but just if, if we think through this more holistic 
terminology of, of revering Him and counting Him the highest. Counting Him as the one that all should fear. That is, that is what it means to truly fear God, is to say there's none higher than Him. There's none that's more in charge than Him. There's none who's ruling in a place that's higher than God. We're, we're saying that all should put their attention upon God. And He's the one they should fear the most. And when we do, verse 8 says, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. You want to reverse engineer that one real quick? Cursed is the one who takes refuge in anything but God. You follow me? You're cursed if you place your faith or you try to find refuge and safety anywhere else but God the Father. And I'm telling you what, I've, I've, fallen, I've fallen under those, under the, the uh, um, I've had the, the ill effect of placing my faith somewhere else. Putting my trust in what we could call an idol. Something that is a functional Savior, a replacement Redeemer in my life. That I place my safety there. And when I do, it fails every time. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. For those who fear Him have no lack. Now again, you read that on the surface, it seems like, well... <laughs> Okay, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not following you here, Dave, because I certainly have had lack in my life. I've certainly had really horrible things happen to, happen to me. Again, when we're focusing on the circumstances and we're saying that is, what, that is what shows me what success in life is, then we'll look at ourselves and see that we have lack. But when God says, listen, I've given you myself and I own everything, and so all wealth and all riches that are found anywhere is found within me. I am your treasure. And so we have no lack. Verse 10, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Uh, if you read the first few chapters of... Um, of Proverbs, those first few books that were written by uh, Solomon. Uh, the first about five or six, man, they just continue to harp on the fear of the Lord and wisdom. Fear of the Lord and wisdom. We talked last week how our greatest enemies are, are Satan and, and his demons who want to steal, kill, and destroy, and me, my flesh. My old dead heart, which has no power anymore, but yet I, I give my attention to nonetheless. And uh, when, when, we, when we learn to abandon that old heart and we place our fear and our trust in the Lord, that is where we'll find our strength. Again, we follow what we fear or revere. Your motivations come from the things that you respect most. Your decisions are based around the things you're most convinced of. Matthew 6, 13 in the New American Standard says, Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then in 
parentheses, it's got for the kingdom, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, before we go any further, this section most likely did not occur uh, in Matthew's writing. Most likely this section right here was not written by Matthew. The kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The, uh, the oldest manuscripts uh, do not contain, contain this. The, uh, the King James, uh, the, New Revi- or the Revised Standard, uh, the, the American Standard, the American Version, um, those, uh, those were all based upon later manuscripts which in, included uh, this, th- these statements here. Most likely it was, it was added in by some scribes at some point to, to bring a, a doxology, which would br- be, a, be a worship and praise and an ending, the, the amen, that's to it. So it brought, brought some closure to it. Um, and it, it most likely was not what Jesus said. Um, now does that mean that there's something wrong with it? Uh, or that it's that there's an untruth that's behind it? No, there's not. And so I, I look at this, and I don't look at this as that statement there being scripture. Um, however, the interesting thing about it is it just really it really just pulls us right back around to where it starts to begin with, talking about the kingdom of God, the glory of God, you know, the the power of God. Uh, it brings some bookends to. To, to the, the prayer. So, so though it wasn't, it, it wasn't there uh, in, in Scripture, it's still, very, still a very biblical and Christian concept that's being prayed uh, right there because um, it's all about God's kingdom and His power and His glory. Um, and I want you to note this. Every prayer that you pray is going to be based out of a desire for kingdom, for power, or for glory. Every prayer that you pray. It's going to be coming from a heart and, and you're going to have a trajectory of what you're looking for based upon your concept of kingdom or power or glory. Okay, Because when we pray, uh, we pray sometimes out of fear. Sometimes we pray out of desire. Sometimes we just pray out of a need. And so then we, we reach out for that to be met through a kingdom, through a power, or through some kind of glory. And, and it's not even just that our prayers are based out of some kind of a concept of kingdom, power, or glory. But your heart right now, and what you're seeking for right now, your agenda and your goals right now, are based out of a concept of kingdom, or power, or glory. The, the, first, the first area it's prayed from or the desire to go to is, is the kingdom of self or the power of self or the glory of self. Um, we, do, we do whatever is necessary for our name to be greater. As you guys in the corporate world, um, man, you've seen... You've seen what, uh, what some people have called the death of a thousand cuts. Where, where somebody doesn't just, autom- doesn't just obliterate someone and take them down all at once, but they'll just, they'll just say, you know, you know hey, it seems like, uh, seems like uh, old, old John has, been, has been, uh, been late to work uh, 
you know, a lot here lately and just slip, slip. And then later on, you know, saying to a boss, to a, to a manager, it's like, you know, I, I kind of heard that uh, John's marriage is not doing all that well. And uh, just, you know, we should, we should be concerned about John. Slip and slip. You know, or, or uh, you know, the, the new deal, you know, a, a new deal is made and, and John gets, gets the, the credit for it and maybe gets a promotion and all that. And it's like, you know what, man, it's so good that John got that promotion. It's, it's, it's too bad that he struggles with, with drinking too much on the weekend. Slit. Slit. And, and so it's not this, it's not a bazooka that, that gets pulled out to where you just, you devastate somebody on the spot. But just slowly and slowly and slowly, a person, a person tries to cut somebody. And, and eventually, you, you die from being bled out. Uh, as a result, as a result of that, um, man, we, people we're, we're so selfish. You know, we're looking for for our name to be greater than someone else, um, and and most of the time to do that, it means we must destroy from someone else, or we must steal from someone else. We must we must see them fall, and so we we take part in that in a destruction of someone. For our glory, um, we want our kingdom to rise. We're, we're, we're living for, for the kingdom of, of Dave, the kingdom of self. We'll walk over whoever gets in our way. We'll break whatever rules that we have because the greatest ethic out there is me. I'm the ethic. The kingdom of self. The kingdom of man is an external kingdom. The kingdom of man, the, the power of man, the glory of man. And in, in this, in this po- posture, this place, instead of us trying to do everything with us to be the top of the, of the, the kingdom, we, we try to do whatever we can to appease people so we'll be included in that kingdom. We look at others as, as they're, they're the control people. They're the ones who are in charge. And, and we don't want to be left out. And we'll do whatever it takes to please that person. We'll do whatever it, it takes to get favor and acceptance of them. And in and, and doing that, I mean, we'll, allow, we'll allow people to abuse us, to walk all over us. We'll let them do whatever they want. As long as they accept me. As long as they love me. See, the first one again, the kingdom of self, the power of self, the glory of self, that's, that's where what we fear the most is us not being on top. Us not being in control. But, but over here, this kingdom, kingdom of man power of man, the glory of man, of, of others, it's what we fear most is that we're not accepted by someone else. That, that we, if, if they, they won't love me, they won't respect me, they won't be my friend. And so we're willing to do whatever it takes. But guys, what if, what if God is really king? What if He is? 
What if the kingdom is really God's? What if all the power is really God's? What if all the glory really is God's? If we believe that, it would change us. If I believed that more, I would be a changed person. That when fear comes, and when, when the, the thing, when I start getting worried because the kingdom of Dave isn't going the way that I thought, all of a sudden it's like, but wait a second, there's a greater king than Dave. And you know what? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, man. If I get trampled on, if I'm the one that's being cut, and if, I, if, if all the things that I do in trying to tell the truth and being, being who I am, if all of that, if, if it doesn't matter, and if people don't listen to it, if there's no credibility there, or if I'm just abused, it's okay. Because there's a greater king than that. And over here, when we, when we are continuing to, to fear you know, what, what others may think and what others, what others will do, you know, what they can do to us and how they, how they walk on us and how they abuse us, how they use us. That if we know there is a God that's greater than that, you know what it will do? It will place a courage in us that has more grace than you would ever thought, but also has more courage and will bring truth to the table more than you would thought. Because, you know what, we were talking, talking about um, love. In fact, I'm, uh, Blake and I were driving in the car here just this morning, and he said, he said, Dave, he said, he didn't say Dave. Um, you, can't, you can't call me Dave. Um, he, he said, Dad, what, you know, what is love? I mean, what, you know, how would you really define love? And I, and I told him, I said, you know, people define love as, as a feeling or affection. Some people will find, define love as commitment, you know. And I said, but let me take it further. Love is desiring the very best for someone and being committed to bringing the very best to that person. Okay? And what that requires is, is it requires you to define what the standard of very best is. And so if, if I'm over here, the kingdom of self, and I'm like, the very best, it's me, baby. That's the very best. And that's what you need. You need me. You need to serve me. You need to love me. You need to bow before me. I'm it. And I'll do whatever it takes for you to have the very best, less role. If it's over here to where we're just people pleasers or we're just American dream seekers to where we just take what's given to us and says, this is what's the best. Is, is if, you have, if you have the most lucrative position, if you, if you have power and influence in your community, in your city, in your state, you know, if, you, if you make six figures, if you have, if you have a, a, a car... If you have a car made by only one of these makers or, or, uh, or a house that's at least this size or, 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 or whatever it is, and we define it as it's, it's got to look like this. And we will do whatever it takes to serve that kingdom. We'll do whatever it takes to achieve that power. We'll do whatever it takes to find the glory, to get the glory that comes from serving these masters. In doing that, though, if, if we only fear and revere ourselves, if we're top of the food chain, if we're king, we're trapped. And if the kingdom is the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of others, then if we fear and revere that, we're trapped. 
if your kingdom that you serve is anything other than the kingdom of God, you'll be hopeless, you'll be helpless, you'll live in a real fear. If, if your fear and respect is anything other than for the power of God to be revealed and for His will to be done, you're going to fall. You're going to live in a trapped, trapped world. And if you seek the glory and the fame of anybody other than Jesus, it's going to fall. It's going to fail you. Whether it's you that you're seeking, you're seeking my name, my name. I just want to be, I just want to be great. I just want everybody to know how great I am. If that's you, it's going to fall. I mean, have you, have you guys read some of the stories of the most of the people that are they're most wealthy and most powerful and, and the people who had the, the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll. It's like almost every one of them, unless they found Jesus, they, they fall. And they say, is this it? I mean, there's millionaires out there and billionaires out there that they've got all the stuff. And they look. They maybe even have the trophy wife. And they look and they're just like, is there not, I mean, Something's missing. What's the next challenge? What's the next adventure? What, what else can I, can I achieve and do because I'm empty? And if that glory is, is about others, and it's like we, we're our, our glory is like, we, I'll do anything, I'll do anything for, 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 for this other person to, to love me or, or this group or this organization to be a part of it, to be accepted here. I'll do whatever, even if all the attention goes over there. As long as I'm accepted, it fails. God wants us to know that, man, everything is, is under His rule and His reign. Did you know that every kingdom and every king on this earth is, is less powerful than God? You know, our, our friends that are in Sudan or, or Congo and um, the ones, I mean, people who have been, have been slaughtered and, and, and they're, they're kings. You know, the, the dictators in, in these countries who've done evil and wicked things. Do you know there's a king that's going to hold them accountable? There's a God out there that's not going to let it go. That either people will fall under the forgiveness and the justification of Jesus Christ and Jesus had already taken care of all of that or they will face the judge of, of the entire world. Do you know, uh, and we, we talked about forgiveness a, a few weeks ago, do you know that forgiveness, that we're able to truly forgive others because we're able to release, we're able to say, you know what God, I don't have to, I don't have to stay connected, I don't have to hold on to this I don't, I don't have to fear that it's not going to be taken care of because it's going to be taken care of either one way or the other. Either, God, you're going to do a massive work of mercy in their life like you've done in my life and completely create them new, work, work on their hearts. Or, God, if they go to their grave denying Jesus and saying, forget you, Jesus. I don't want you. I don't want your forgiveness. I don't want your heaven. I don't want to worship you. I don't want your Bible. Then that king and that judge is going to finally say, all right, have it your own way, judged. 
And when we know that there's a king out there that's in control, and even if we don't see it happening right now, we can say, God, I don't, I don't just trust you with the way my circumstances look now, but I can trust you for the rest of my circumstances till I'm dead. Did you hear me? We look at our God, and we say, God, I don't just trust you for where I'm at now, but I can trust you for everything that's going to happen to me. And I can trust that no matter how horrible it is, the way a person treats me, God, I can live in peace because you are in charge and you'll take care of it. Can you imagine if we really lived our life out like that? That's the radiance, you guys. That's the radiance that people will see in our lives because our hope is not on us. Our hope is not in people. Our hope is not in the circumstances that we're in. Our hope is on God. He's the king, and he's over everything. And he says, I got you covered. I got it all covered. I'm writing a story out, and it's going to be an amazing story. We need to be a people that live in a fear, but not a fear of our circumstances. Not a fear that we're not going to make it or not be successful or not going to achieve the American dream or whatever it is we're filling the blank in of, of, of what, how we say, that, how I know I'm okay. If you're freed, if you're a Christian in here, if you're not a Christian, you're not freed from this. You're still enslaved to it. But if you're a Christian in here, God has freed you from having to seek your acceptance and your peace and your hope in anything that you do. But your peace and your hope and your love and your joy is, is found in a God that never changes. And a God who, who's been writing a story. And, and a part of the story, I mean, He's not writing the evil or the wickedness, but it's a part of the story. But He is going to complete the story someday. And you take that thought of what it's like someday when it happens, when He completes it, and say, God, help me to live today with the hope of knowing that you've got it all covered. This prayer, uh, it started, Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Guys, as we, we finish up this series on, on prayer, we go to God. Many times, some of us are practical atheists. Excuse me. Some of y'all are living in a practical agnosticism right now to where you're not going to Him because you're, you're fearing. You're, you're fearing things other than Him. And, and you don't think that he's listening to you. You may think he doesn't care. Or maybe you wouldn't, you wouldn't say it that way, but your life is being lived out that way. And I'm just telling you, what we do is we go to God instead of, instead of going and praying to Him and saying, God, I, I want you to do things for my kingdom or for their kingdom. Instead of saying, God, I want you to do things for my power or their power. Instead of going to God and saying, God, would, would you do this for my glory? 
or their glory. And, and I know that you wouldn't pray that way. You know, you wouldn't say those words. But if you analyze your heart and analyze your prayers, that's really what you're doing. Is you're praying to Him, trying to seek your own kingdom or someone else's. Are you going to Him because you want your power and your glory to rise up and rise up and be great? And God, if people would just know who I am, they would love you more. Love that humility, Dave. What if instead, when we go before the Lord, we, we humble ourselves with a confidence that God is in control and that it would be way better for Him to do what He thinks is best than what we think is, is best. And, and if you've been here, been a part of this series, you know that, man, we, yes, be honest in prayer. Yes, pour yourselves out. I'm not saying that you just stand back and say, well, God, I'm not sure what to ask because I don't want to ask anything that's not on your will because so I'm just going to sit here and not do anything. That's not the heart of prayer. The heart of prayer is pouring out your mind, pouring out your heart, to where you're saying, God, I don't know what your will is, but this is, this is the way I see it, and, and this is what I think would be merciful, and I, this is what I think would be compassion, and this is what I think would be pr- provision, and this would be like healing in a person's life. And so, God, I ask for these things. But ultimately, we're going before a God, and we're saying, Dad, you're in charge. And it's far better for you to do what's on your heart than than what's in my heart. But God, maybe could You please transform me to a place where I don't just pray what's on my mind and heart, but I would pray what's on Your heart. The last thing I I want to tell you guys just as we we close this time out. If, if If you don't remember anything else from this series on prayer, I want you to think of prayer this way. You don't pray like a religious person. If you look, look back, look in this, look at Luke 11, look here, and talk where it talks about in Matthew 6 about the religious people and the way they prayed. Don't pray like a religious person. Pray like a family. Pray as a child goes to their daddy. If you don't remember anything else, Let your definition and your understanding of prayer, let it be as a child goes to their dad. In a healthy family. The way you see a little boy or a little girl, the way they go to daddy. You know what Jesus taught us in this? He said, yes, the one you're praying to is, is creator of the universe. And yes, the one you're praying to is is king of, of everything. And yes, the one you're praying to is God. But before you pray to Him in any of those valid things, pray to Him as Dad. Go to Him because He's your Dad. If you're not a, a Christian in here, I'm just telling you, we're not promoting being religious. And, and in prayer, we're not just promoting how you get things done and get your stuff. You know what we're promoting? We're promoting that the One who spoke and wham! The whole universe came into being. Can be your dad. He's my dad. And, and my kids, they teach me a lot about prayer because of the way they come to me. They come up without pretense. 
They don't come up and say, oh, Father, on the first night of, of the week, which is tonight, is the night that I'm to bring my supplication to you and ask you to buy groceries. Just come up to me and say, Dad, uh, can, we go, can we go get Krispy Kreme? You know? Can we... Uh, can we go to the park? Hey, Dad, uh, will you play the guitar with me? Dad, Daddy, will you read me a book? Dad, I love you. Man, my heart melts. My kids come up to me. And they say things like that that just come from their heart or they ask things of me. Guys, you Christians... God, He wants you to know He's your dad. Go to Him as your dad. Non-Christians, if you're in here or if you're listening to this, it's time. It's time to surrender. It's time for you to place your faith in, in your God, in your Creator, in the King of the universe who will become your dad.